Welcome. You're listening to The Aligned Self, conversations in creating a conscious and abundant life. This is Daniel DeNovi. I'll be your guide and host. Let's see just where we can take this. Hello, my friend, and welcome back to The Conversation. Now, if this happens to be your first time listening to the Align Cell podcast, welcome. Welcome to my family. And I consider you as part of the family. And I always find it interesting, even those of you that have been listening for a while. I know most of you don't listen to every episode. So I'm always curious when you tune into the episodes that you do. Why did you find yourself here? Why did? How did you find your way here? Now, some of you, it's like following a series of breadcrumbs that led you to this moment in time. It could have been a question that popped in your head weeks ago. And through a series of events or through a series of breadcrumbs, you find yourself here listening to this conversation. Well, however you found your way here, I appreciate your listening here. And if you find value in this episode, by all means, subscribe. And I would really appreciate it. If you could leave a review, tell me what you think. I read all the reviews. I love to know how these conversations impact your life, impact your consciousness, your awareness, and those around you. So yes, by all means, leave a review. And while it's appreciated if you just click the five stars, it's always nice to have a couple sentences or two to know specifically what impacted your life. What is it specifically you like about the podcast? And if I'm perfectly honest, sometimes it feels like it's just me speaking into a microphone, sitting in my office somewhere in Fort Worth, Texas, sending out a conversation over the airwaves, wondering if anyone will ever listen. And while I know it's true that many of you do listen, and I see the downloads, you know, we're we're over 23,000 downloads since I started this, which is a fair amount of listening. But I guess for me, it's just that lack of one-to-one interaction because I've spent years, you know, speaking from the front of the room and I see people's eyes. I see the responses, the physical responses. I see people get up and leave. I see people come in and, and are riveted by the subject matter. And I guess if there's anything that's been difficult for me, difficult seems like a harsh word, uh, if there's anything that's been a little harder for me to wrap my, my head around is the fact that, you know, people listen in the privacy of their lives, you know, while you're at the gym, in the car, and that we're each on different timelines. While I'm sitting here recording this episode today, some of you started weeks ago from today. Weeks ago in the idea that you started from the beginning of the podcast episodes, and you're in a different timeline than I am. <laughs> but I, I can hear myself beginning to ramble here um, for me just to say, I appreciate your listening. I appreciate the feedback. So thank you. Thank you very much. This particular episode, we're going to talk about self-concept and specifically, who are you really? You see, I want you to begin questioning who you are and how you know who you are. I mean, how do you validate yourself and where did you learn to be who you are. I see self-concept as the center of your life. Who you think you are is your relationship to reality. 
God, God is all that is. It governs all your relationships because who you think you are determines how you relate to others. So self-identity, self-concept is at the center of everything that I do. This podcast is called The Aligned Self. It's aligning your heart, your emotions, with your mind and your body in a congruent expression in the world. And through these conversations, I give you hacks, I give you perspectives, I give you basically whole mindsets that you can adopt to amplify your sense of self. But today, I'd like to actually leave you with more questions than answers. I want you to begin questioning, who are you really? And I know, you know, we get up and we look in the mirror, you know, each day and we see this person looking back at us and it feels like that that's us. But you know, when you really start thinking about it, that you are more than the reflection in the mirror. You are more than just your body. Your body is just an aspect of who you are. And of course, we'll dive deeper in other podcasts. And actually, we've touched upon it in past episodes that your body is a reflection of your mind. How you use your mind impacts your body. Conversely, how you use your body impacts your mind. But to stay on task here, um, I want to say that reflection in the mirror, even though when you get up in the morning, that familiar face kind of informs who you're going to be that day or your ideas about that reflection informs how you're going to be that day. You see, at any given moment, you could be born anew. Every day you go to bed, your consciousness takes a trip into the ether and it resumes residence in your body in the morning or at some point in time when you get up to go to the bathroom. And at some point, you're going to look in the mirror So how do you know who to be when you get up? Here's one of those questions. How do you know who to be that day? Does the past inform your present decision about who you're going to be that day? Do you allow your emotions or how much sleep you've had that day to determine how you're going to be in the world? You see, in my opinion, and you'll probably agree, that for the most part, we operate from day to day on automatic. We operate our lives based on who we thought ourselves to be yesterday. We take the idea of who we were yesterday and we represent that to the world today. Yep, that's us. That's who I was yesterday. It's familiar. It worked. It got me through the day. It took me to work, got me home. I interacted with some people and uh, they bought it. They bought the story of what I was presenting. But is it really who you are or is it just some act you're putting on? Is it just some persona that you assumed along the way? Who are you, really? Now, the goal of much of my work when I work with people is to present or create a a sense of being, a sense of self-concept that you can be the same in every situation, that you're one way at work and you're the same person at, at work that you are at home. There's no difference. But a lot of people have this experience where they're a particular way at work and they're a particular way at home or a particular way when they're out with their friends. And if you were the way you are with your friends at work, no one would recognize you. 
And if that describes you, if you have different personas, different identities that you put on, depending on the context or the situation that you're in, then I'm going to just kind of throw it out there. You don't really know who you are. And I want to say right up front, that's not a bad thing. It's okay to not know exactly who you are in this moment. But that uh, methodology of putting on a, a different hat, a different persona, a different mask, depending on the situation you're in from day to day, it doesn't work long term. Now, it will, it's effective. It may work in the short term. But if you are always putting on a different mask, a different hat from day to day, it doesn't lead to long-term life satisfaction because you are always in this mode of pretending, putting on airs. And why would someone do that? See, I'm always good at asking these questions that get to the heart of the matter. The reason someone would do that, put on a different mask for different situations, is in order to fit in. Because underneath it is this idea, is this belief. And a lot of times people don't talk about it out loud. But this belief is there that who I am is not enough or too much or over the top or would be rejected. Like if people knew who I really was, they wouldn't like me. And this is a real problem when people first start dating because everyone wants to be on their best behavior. No one wants to be rejected for being who they really are. So they'll kind of feel it out for the most part and they'll feed people information, feed the other person information in a way that they think the other person wants to receive it. In fact, we mirror back the things that the other person loves about themselves, the things that they love about their life. Very seldom do we say things that are in direct conflict to what the other person thinks or how they feel. And if that happens, pretty much the date's over. So if the date lasts for any period whatsoever, understand that there's this unconscious mirroring process that's going on. And so you two hit it off and, you know, a month down the road, three months down the road, suddenly you start letting things leak out, eke out. You start, you know, becoming comfortable and you no longer have your mask on. Even Batman has to take his mask off from time to time. And I'm not pointing any fingers because this is a gate that swings both ways. Both people in the relationship, unless they're operating from a very high degree of integrity, and a a sense of self that is rock solid. Most people, and I can raise my hand that I've done that in the past, will present the best version of themselves up front, hoping that it's enough to carry them through. That once I reveal my scars, once I reveal my wounds and my own idiosyncratic way of behavior, that uh, it will not be that disruptive. So let me go back to my original question. Who are you? Really? I mean, really, when you get down to it, who are you? If you strip away the persona, if you strip away the behaviors and the habits, like what's underneath? What's at the center of your being? Well, wait, wait, let's wait, wait, back up a couple of steps. That could be going too far too fast. So let's go back to how do you know who you are? Like whoever you think you are today, how do you validate it? Because in one way or another, we're always in the process of validating who we think we are, who we are for the world, affirming it, confirming it. And so I'm curious, how do you validate who you are? Now, I don't know if you are like me, but I've always liked movies and TV series where the hero or the heroine gets bonked on the head, loses their identity, amnesia. Like they don't know who they are anymore. 
They just wake up in some strange place, some strange city, sometimes in a strange bed, and they have no memory of the past. And I was always amazed, how do they even begin to interact in the world? How do they even begin to express themselves? You know, they don't even know if they're a bad guy or a good guy. And it seems like in these stories that they always kind of lean to being a good guy. Yet what is hidden is that they have a particular set of skills that uh, they have hidden. And that at some point, you know, everyone wonders, when will their true self come out? When will their, you know, their real persona come out, or at least the persona of their past? But in a few of these shows and these stories, it's interesting that the person actually ends up being someone quite different, where they feel quite different, that is in direct conflict with their particular set of skills that they have in their back pocket. Now, the one thing that fascinated me about all this, though, and the source, and that's the source of my question, how do you validate yourself, that in the lack of somebody telling them who they were, with no identification, no references, no memory of yesterday, to inform them on how to be today. So invariably, they create a alternate persona that is so different from where they came from. Now, three movies that kind of come to the top of my head is The Long Kiss Goodnight with Gina Davis and Samuel L. Jackson, uh, Regarding Henry with Harrison Ford, and then, of course, The Born Identity with Matt Damon. So let's pretend you have amnesia. How would you know who you are? How would you know how to be in the world? Let's say you don't have amnesia and you come home from work and no one seems to know who you are. I mean, your key works in the lock, but when you step in, people are wondering, well, who who are you? Why are you here? And you try and explain, I live here. I'm your husband or I'm your father. We don't know who you are. Like the people in your life kind of inform how you're going to be that day. And you say, wait a minute, wait a minute, let me show you my ID. And you pull out your wallet and uh, you don't have any ID. You can't really prove, quote unquote, who you are. You have no evidence to say you are the person that you say you are. You see, each and every day we utilize the perspectives of other people in our lives about who they think we are to kind of inform who we are. We use our our job title or the things that we do in the world to define who we are. And we also rely on the memories, not only our memories, but the memories of other people that help inform who we are. Now, something I personally found interesting, in 2006, I moved to Dallas-Fort Worth. I moved to Texas from Michigan. And what I didn't realize at the time was how freeing it would be to step into an environment where no one knew who you were. You could literally create yourself in that moment. And while by and large, I was the same person that I was in Michigan, in Texas, I did notice, I did realize that there were aspects that I I could let go of, I could release. I could actually release my past to a great degree because I no longer interacted with anybody that I grew up with, no one that I, I formerly lived with. Except for I had, I, I did have an ex-girlfriend that moved down to Dallas. Um, for why? I don't know. She could have moved anywhere else in the country, but she moved to Dallas and then informed me that uh, she, she was in town. But getting back to my point, I did realize that being in a new environment, being in a new social circle, I could release different aspects of myself that no longer served me or that maybe never served me and just 
recreate myself in the moment in little ways. Now, something I also realized is that the mindset of the people that I hung around with in Michigan was completely different than the mindset of the people that I interacted with on a day-to-day basis in Texas. Now, I'm not talking about my family. I'm talking about the attitudes and the mindsets of the people that you would interact with at the store, at the grocery store, or at the gas station, just out and about on the street. I did notice a, a lot of hospitality of the people in Texas. But my point is that your environment, the people you interact with on a regular basis, the people you rub shoulders with, the people in the neighborhoods that you hang out in, do have some bearing on how you be in the world. So let me bring you up to speed so far on the questions that I've kind of thrown out there. One, who are you really? Two, how do you know who you are? How do you validate who you are? Are, is your self-concept governed by, you know, the environment that you're in or the people you're interacting with? Now, the limits of a relationship or the people that you're friends, let's say, if you were not in that environment, I ask you this, would you be different? Would you act differently? I've had clients that have left a relationship and they make a declaration that they're going to reinvent themselves. So they go out and they they change their body. They might start working out, change their hairstyle, you know, adopt a whole new wardrobe, actually take on some new hobbies, some new activities. And other times people end a relationship like that and maybe they've been stifled. Maybe they've adapted to the other person too much and they come to the realization that they've evolved into a person that they don't even recognize that there was a part of them that they left on the shelf, you know, 15, 20 years ago that they really loved and they want to reconnect to that earlier version of themselves. And I can remember this woman passionately asking me, how can I reclaim that aspect of myself? I said, you don't have to go back in time. You don't have to reverse time or go back. You just bring that person forward, bring those attributes forward today and start living them as if they're true. It's you. You know how to do it. You just step forward in a new way of being. You live it as it's the truth. And you release that aspect, that persona that you adopted in order to survive that relationship. Now, it was an abusive relationship. It was a narcissistic partner that uh, invalidated who she was. So she, over time, just in order to keep the peace, evolved into a person that she didn't even recognize. But what I find interesting in both those scenarios, both those situations of recreating yourself or reclaiming an aspect that you put aside, is this idea, this implied idea that we can literally choose who we're going to be in the world. Yet, do you exercise that choice on a day-to-day basis? And that's another question. I'm, how much of you is default on automatic and how much of your day-to-day is an actual choice in how you're going to be for other people, how you're going to be in the world? Do you let circumstances, do you let the weather determine your emotional state, how happy you are, how satisfied you are, or do you choose it on the front end? No matter how much rain that's out there, do you allow your inner sunshine to come out? Buckminster Fuller said it this way. He said, 99% of who you are, you can't see, touch, or feel. It's conceptual. Yet, the 1% that you can see and touch and feel, 
you spend 99% of your time embellishing. You dress it up, you take it from here to there. You consider it more important than the other 99%. Why is that, I wonder? And if at any given moment in time you can literally choose who you want to be in the world, then there is no set way you must be or have to be. Wouldn't you agree? If you buy the idea that you are a spiritual being having or immersed in the human experience, you understand at the core of your being, you are godlike, you are divinity. Yet, do you act that way? Do you really align with that greater self? If you got to your bones who you really are, that you are a divine spirit having a human experience, could you, would you tap into that greater power on a daily basis? If you were to consciously tap into that power, would you succumb to fear? Would you allow yourself to be any less than what you're capable of? You are a spiritual being immersed in the human experience. Is it just an understanding or just, you know, like a concept that you accept? Or do you know it? If you did know it, would it alter your life? If you really embrace the idea that you are actually part of a greater reality, you are part of the greater whole, at the core of your being, you are unstoppable, that nothing was impossible, that the only limits that you experience are the ones that you create, the ones you've adopted for your life. You bought the story that somebody else told you. You inherited a perspective on who you thought you were that just isn't true. It's been my experience over the last 30 years of working with nearly 10,000 people that who you think yourself to be is merely just a collection of knee-jerk, habitually learned responses that you've adopted along the way in order to get through childhood with the least amount of pain and the greatest amount of pleasure. It is far and few between the individuals that actually choose who they want to be regardless of how they are brought up, regardless of their past. Because, you know, the past isn't real. Once you experience something, it's gone. It's, it's forever gone. So if anything has influence over who you are today, it's because you recall it into the present. You recall it from the past, from somewhere out there. There is no place for the past to reside. It's just a concept. But you recall it into the present and allow it to inform who you're going to be today. And I wonder if that's the most productive thing to do. You know, you think it is? Maybe not. And all stories that are in our past aren't necessarily, you know, of a negative nature. There were some positive things that went on back there that I know that I've recalled in the present. But if we have a choice on what we recall into our present and what we don't, why call in a disempowering story? Really? I mean, why, why do we do that? In the recent podcast episode, The Stories That Govern Your Life, I had you ask a question uh, to identify three to five experiences that, you know, were like a fork in a row that defined who you are today. And understand that you choose those particular memories to recall and utilize those as validation for who you are. Something that blows my mind from time to time is when I consider that I've been on the planet for over 60 years, and I have 60 years of memories and situations, sometimes in a given day, you know, a thousand different little experiences that are there in my data bank, in my memory bank. And when I just consider the sheer number 
of memories that I have access to. I always find it intriguing that I choose the ones I do to recall. So in that consideration, when you have a depth and breadth of memories that you could recall, do you have ones in your past that if you were to recall those and make them more magnificent, more phenomenal, more real to you, more present in your mind, actually put yourself back in time having those amazing experiences and use those five amazing experiences to embellish your life, to define who you want to be in the world. And it could have just been a moment. It could have just been a moment in time that you had a brief interaction with another individual, yet you expressed an aspect of yourself that you really liked. You got to be someone that you really enjoyed and that you want to promote more of in the future. What if you were to take that one moment and elevate it to a fork in a road, elevate it to a memory that helped define your life, a moment in time, a moment in time. It reminds me of the Olympic athletes who spend years training and exercising and adopting a skill set only to put it to the test for about a minute or two or less. All years of training come down to one moment in time. Will that define them, or is it the the years of training that will define them? In the end, it's whatever they choose to influence their life. So here's a little exercise I want to leave you with. Sit down with a pad of paper, and at the top, write down, who am I, really? And start writing down the different ways you define yourself. Now, it might be mother or father. Understand that that's not an identity. That's a role. You could say, I'm a leader. I'm a boss. Again, that's a role. But for the purposes of this exercise, by all means, do write it down. It's only going to go back and reflect on it. Do you want to determine, is it a role or is it an aspect of my character? Is it something that I can be in the world? Now, how do you know if something's a role or a character attribute? Well, if it's not universal in nature, meaning that you can't use that moniker, you can't use that label from context to context to context, then it's a role that is context-dependent. Now, as a father or a mother, you can play that role as long as you have children or with people that want to play the role of children or seeing you as a father or a mother figure. But let's say I'm at the club and I'm playing basketball with a group of guys and there's a guy defending me, jeering me on. Come on, dude, you're going to show me who you are? You're going to show me who you are? Huh, huh? And I said, well, I'm a dad. He says, oh, yeah, who's your daddy? You going to show me who my daddy is? And, of course, I would say, well, be careful because I'm about to spank you. <laughs> yeah. Okay. You kind of get the idea that, you know, some of these labels only work in certain circumstances. They're context-specific. Those are rules for the most part. But for the purposes of this exercise, write down everything. Get a sense of who you are. And then look at the question at the top of your page. Who am I really? Does this label, does this attribute really define who I am? And usually, typically, you can say no. You can go through every item on the list and scratch it out. That item does not totally define me. And if you do that again and again, you're left with the fact, you're left with the realization that at the center of your being, you're undefinable. At the center of your being, if you strip away the persona, if you strip away the job, if you strip away all the the roles that you play, at the center of your being, 
you are nothing. And in being no thing, you have the ability, you have the power to be anything. You can be one with everything. This is your host, Daniel Danovi, urging you to follow your bliss and by all means, live the epic life. <laughs>